in the world again. And uh, you're going to be involved in an atmosphere that is anti-Christian. You're going to go back and you're going to begin to rub shoulders with friends that do not identify with what you've experienced. And you need to stay together and encourage one another in the Lord. Okay? Because you will be challenged. All right? I want to uh, kind of put a P.S. this morning on some things I was talking about last week. Now, last week we, we, we was talking about waiting on God. And uh, it is a ministry that you cannot bypass even though you want to. And last week we talked about, uh, you know, things that waiting on God did in your life, did for you, some positive things. And uh, so I'm going to change and, and talk about things for you to do while you wait. Now, it's not a question if, if, uh, if you're going to go, into some, go, go through some stuff. Most of us in this building today are going through stuff. Most of us are waiting uh, on answers to prayer and waiting on God to do some certain things in our life. It could be financial. It could be physical. It could be uh, relationship-wise. It could be uh, whatever. But uh, most of us, if you have not been exercised in the ministry of waiting, you will. You will. And so I want to talk to you about things we can do while we wait on God. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 just simply says, To everything there is a season. How many things? Everything. To everything there is a season and a time to every what? Purpose. Under the heaven. Now, how many of us are going through a difficult season in life? Most of us. If I had a show of hands and everybody was honest, you either you have just come through a difficult season of life, uh, or you're, you're just in between maybe experiencing that mountaintop, or you're going to go into a difficult season of life. That is, that is reality, okay? Our ability to wait on God is one of the most important principles in our spiritual arsenal for living a life of victory here and now. Now, there's reasons why people walk in victory, and there's reasons why people walk in defeat. Can we say amen? God rarely, and you need to understand this, God rarely does things according to our schedule. I don't like that any more than you do, uh, because we are prone to want to take charge of our life and, and work things out on our own. But God rarely, He very rarely does things according to our time schedule or how we want Him to. Joyce Myers writes, and I read this to you and quoted it to you last week, simply because she carries more weight than I do. Our situation, she writes, whatever it may be, can change suddenly and quickly. That's true. But one thing is certain. Before God moves on most occasions, it is after we have learned to wait. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. How many knows that? Fruit takes time to grow. Fruit takes time to develop. You don't just instantly get a mature fruit off a tree. First starts with a bloom, I think, or a bud or a bloom, and then it uh, turns, you know, the, the, the old bees or whatever does its job on it and pollinates it, and then all at once the fruit, you know, immature fruit begins to appear, and over a period of time, you get the full uh, uh, fruit and mature fruit. But it doesn't start out mature. Neither does patience. Patience, you know, someone said, I want patience and I want it right now. Well, that would be great. 
But fruit takes time to grow and develop. And going through issues and situations is the process that God uses to develop patience. Now listen to what James writes. It's not on my note, but it's found in James chapter 1 and verse 2. And listen to what he writes. My brethren. Now who is he talking to? He's talking to the church, right? He's talking to Christians. Here he's, here's what he's saying. My brethren, count it all what? Joy when you talk, fall into various trials. Well, that lets me know right away that James is crazy. Who in his right mind is going to write something like that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Count it all what? Joy when you fall into various trials. Why in the world would I count it all joy when I'm going through a desert place in my life and I'm in the process of waiting on God, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, a lot of faith people would say, now listen, uh, I don't have to wait on God. I don't have to wait on God because I got faith. Well, according to James, part of faith, the DNA of faith is knowing how to wait on God. Knowing that the trying or the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. And this notice what verse 4 says. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What does it mean? There is maturity that's going to be produced in your life that will be produced no other way than you and I learning how to go through the desert places of our life and, and be exercised in this thing called waiting on God. Waiting has become obsolete in the world that we live in because we live in a world of instant everything. You know that already. Fortunes are made catering to the world's dislike for waiting. Now, In-N-Out Burger, I, I want you to understand something. In-N-Out Burgers do not have any meat. They may be popular, but we go through there and we get an In-N-Out Burger, and I guarantee you the meat, the meat will disappear before you've got the sandwich finished. Why do you go to In-N-Out Burger? It can't be for the meat. It must be because it's fast. Someone says, well, it tastes good. It don't last that long. I'd rather go get a quarter pounder. At least after you eat one of them suckers, you've ate something. You know what I mean? Go to In-N-Out, all you get is, is sauce and lettuce and onion and some bread that's toasted and I don't know what else they put on it, but very little meat. We live, unfortunately, in an anti-weight society and it has affected our church world. There's a time to go. There's a time to act. But most often it's after we have learned to wait. Now, we live in farming country, and the last time I checked, there's a little bit of time between seed time and harvest. Uh, I, I, you know, all the farmers probably wish this year, especially because water was short, they probably wish that they could plant the seed today and harvest it next week. But that is not the case. Between seed time and harvest, there's usually a certain amount of time that was given for the harvest to come to fruit. Now notice, so last Sunday was about what waiting does for us. Today, let me give you some things to do while you have been put on hold. And if you haven't been put on hold today, I, find, a blank, find a blank page in your Bible. And I want you to write these down. Okay, put it, you know, uh, you won't remember all of them unless you write them down. Those of you that got journals, I want you to write this down. Okay, some things you can do while you've been put on hold. Number one. You can get wise advice. You can get wise advice. If you look around somewhere in the body of Christ, there's probably somebody in the body of Christ that has been through some things 
just kind of like you're going through. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14 just simply says, where there is no counsel, the people fail. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Get some wise advice. Last time I checked, God does not use emails. And I don't think he has an iPhone. If he does, I am not on his list. Maybe you've gotten a phone call from him you know, lately, but I haven't. And I haven't got an email from him lately. So when I'm been put on hold, if, if, you know, and I'm waiting on God to answer my prayers and waiting on God to get me through my issues, then, then I need to get, you know, if I need to get some encouragement or some wise advice, I find somebody that has probably been through what I am going through, and I ask him some advice. Get some wise counsel. That's okay, all right? Don't be afraid to ask others for their perspective. Now, listen to me when I say don't be afraid to ask others for their, if you don't want to know, don't ask. You might not like what you hear because they may give you a different slant that, that, uh, that rather than what you really want to hear. So if you don't want to hear it, uh, you, you maybe don't need to ask. There are probably others around you that have experienced what you're going through, and some will have an encouraging word for you. Sometimes when you're going through some stuff, you need somebody to come alongside you and give, give you an encouraging word. Now get this. Very, it's very important. You might be wise to follow some of their instructions. Boy. Don't waste their time if you're not willing to listen to what they have to say. Okay? If, but if they have some wise counsel and you realize it's scriptural based, then you might be wise to put it to practice. Now, that's easier said than done. But you would be wise to do that. Secondly, while you have been put on hold, pay attention to the details. While you're going through this time of waiting, pay attention to the details. What do you mean, Pastor? Don't become so focused on yourself that you're not aware of things around you. We're always telling our kids when we're out somewhere, be aware of your surroundings. Sometimes when you're going through your issues of waiting, you get so self-consumed, you lose sight of the important things. What do I mean? The people that God places in your path could be an assignment. But you're so focused on yourself and what you're going through that you forget that God has a plan and a purpose for your life and that He is not taken by surprise with what you're going through. But sometimes He may place someone in your life that He needs you to have a word for. But you get so focused on our own issues and our details, you know, we lose sight and aware of the things. How about the places that he takes you to? Sometimes the places he has taken you to through the process of that you're going through is a, is a, he has a purpose in you being there. It wasn't by chance you're walking that way. It wasn't by chance you wound up in that place, but you wound up in that place by God's design for a reason. Don't get so caught up and so focused on yourself. Maybe the priorities in your life may need to be arranged. There might be a time of self-reflecting and just, you know, but you're so consumed and I get so consumed with my issues that I forget about everything else. Don't do that. If you've been put on hold, don't do that. Thirdly, don't put the rest of your life on hold. <laughs> Some people just check out. Some people just go into the tank. And like Elijah, they just go into the cave 
a depression. Bless God, I'm, I'm the only one serving you, Jesus. Bless God, nobody else is, you know, here I've been faithful all these years, and you go in the tank. Listen to me. Don't put the rest of your life on hold because you're going to a desert place. Your life's not over. Yes, you're going through a tough time, but don't put the rest of your life on hold. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says this, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run. Now get a hold of this. They shall run, what? And not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Does that sound like inactivity? You're going to keep on walking. You're going to keep on running. You're going to get involved with the, with the processes of life and ministry, what things that God has called you to. Yeah, you're going through a tough issue. Who hasn't been through some tough issues? And who hasn't going to go be going through some tough issues in the future? But don't you go in the tank. Don't allow it to drive you into a cave. Brighten up. Put a smile on your face and get involved with life. Don't put life on hold. Stay busy. Say, you know, find something for your hands to do. You finish this phrase. An idle mind is what? You just stop. Just put your life on hold. And the enemy will beat your brains out. Get on with life. Life is not over. Number four. Challenge your fears. Fear will attack you. Expect it. Fear is an enemy. It will rob you. Thoughts are seeds. Now get this. You already know this, but I'm reminding you what to do when you have been put on hold. Thoughts are seeds, and seeds produce after their own kind. <laughs> As a man thinketh, in his heart, so is he. What is in your heart will usually come out of your mouth. What is in your heart will usually find expression in your face. I'm telling you the truth. Can we talk? What is in your heart? So, so how are you going to change that? You're going to put some good stuff in your heart. And you're going to choose to think about the good things rather than the bad things. Is there bad things that you can think about? Man, if we all wanted to get in the tank today, we could just start thinking about all the bad stuff because there's a bunch of bad stuff to think about, right? But you have a choice today on what you're going to think about and thoughts and seeds produce after their own kind. You can choose to be happy or you can choose to be sad. It all depends on what you think about. Don't let the devil get your joy. You ain't got anything to be sad about. You're blessed. You are blessed. You're a child of the Most High God. You're going somewhere. Challenge your fears. Challenge your fears. Face your challenges, whatever they are, and guard your thoughts. Don't let your imagination run wild. Don't try to live tomorrow before it gets here. <laughs> Too many of us want to think about next week, and you're not even through today. God doesn't give you grace for next week. He doesn't even give you grace for tomorrow. He gives you grace for right now. So what are you thinking about? What are you doing allowing your imagination to run about tomorrow? Get off of that. Get, get back on what today. God's going to give you grace to get through the day. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7 just simply says this. Be anxious for nothing. 
be anxious for what? Fussing and, and fidgeting and, and squirming and, and fearful and worried. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Think on the good thing. Get some good stuff going on in your mind and in your spirit while you have been put on hold. Number five, stay connected to other believers in church. Now, if your enemy of the devil can get you isolated, he has the advantage. And uh, the scripture says one can put a thousand to flight. And I know that you're a superhero and you're super strong. And the scripture says one can put a thousand to flight. But you are, I tell you, the multiplication of strength, spiritual strength and encouragement that comes from being connected, it, it multiplies out. So one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put what? 10,000 to flight. So what are you doing allowing yourself to be isolated or disconnected to your source of strength and energy? There is strength in numbers. The Scripture says a threefold cord is not what? Easily broken. There's an old saying, and you, and you finish this out, that has script, now this old saying has scriptural authority, and is the, it is this, divide and what? Divide and what? That has scriptural authority behind it. It's an old saying, but there's a spiritual truth in that. If, God, if the enemy can get you isolated and get you connected from the body of Christ and get you connected from other believers, then he, you will be at his mercy. Listen, you'll be strong for a while, but at, at some point you're going to have to get connected back to the body of Christ or to the church because you will not win that battle forever. Amen. Now listen, can we talk today? How do we become isolated? Some allow their pride to keep them separated. I, I, I can handle this. I don't need any help. Nobody needs to know what I'm going through. I can handle this all on my own. How many knows that you can eat pride and you won't get, you, it won't fatten you at all? There, there's, no, there's no calories in pride. Just eat it. Okay? Pride will kill you. Pride, spiritual pride especially, will kill you. Some allow their pride to separate them. I don't want anybody to know. Well, that's pride. Pride will isolate you. It will keep you isolated, keep you doing what God wants you to do. Some are distracted with stuff and living life, and they become separated. Luke chapter 15, and I don't have it down where, the, where they can go to it, but I want you to put this down, those of you that are journaling. Luke chapter 15 and verse 4 through 13 gives three illustrations of things that are lost. First is the lost sheep. You've heard all these stories. There's the lost sheep, the lost coin, and, and the prodigal son. And uh, one is the lost sheep. Now, I, I resent being compared to a sheep uh, because they're stupid. Sheep are just not cool. But how does a sheep get lost? Uh, like it or not, we're compared to sheep. And how does sheep get lost? It gets its eyes on the earth. Instead of watching and listening for the shepherd. What do I mean? It puts its head down, just simply begins to eat. And before long, he's away from the herd and he's away from the shepherd. He has grazed and meandered his way around 
not watching where he was going, not watching the shepherd or listening to the shepherd's voice, and he had just simply grazed and wandered away. He was distracted. He had his eyes on the ground, eyes on the earth. Uh, you know, the grass is greener over here. And so he gets distracted and he gets lost. And if you read that story, the master leaves the 99 and goes and finds that one. Why? Because he was stupid. Didn't have any better sense. Can we talk? I mean, he just, he just consumed on his own stuff and he just grazed away and that's good over here and that's good over there. But then the prodigal son, he makes a conscious decision, I'm checking out. I'm, I can handle my own life. I can do my own thing. Bless God, I don't need no help. And he separates from the father. It's interesting about these stories. Two things I want you to see here. Number one, the shepherd went after the first one. But the father never went after the second one. What do I mean by that? If you're just young and you meander around and you, you just kind of graze away and get distracted, okay, you're young and you're ignorant and, and God's grace, I'm going to go get that sheep. I'm going to put him on my shoulder. I'm going to bring him home. But if you've been living for God for any length of time at all and you're old enough to know better, Father's not going after you. I made somebody mad not too long ago. She said, I wasn't in church and you didn't call. I said, how long have you been a Christian? You ain't no baby. How long have you been a Christian? I've been a Christian for X amount of years. Then you know better and do what you're doing. I ain't going to waste my time coming after you. Same decision you made to go away from church, you can make a decision to come back. I'm not going to waste my time going after you. I'll go after a sheep that's wandered away stupidly. But if you made a conscious decision to separate yourself, then you're going to reap what you sow. And the Father ain't coming for you. You're going to swallow your pride. And don't come on. Can we talk? Because that's exactly what Christians do. That know better. Live for God for years. But, and they know better. But they do it anyway. Father's not coming after you. You're going to come right back, back down the same road that took you away from God. Amen. Now the Father will accept you. Father will rejoice and be glad that you're home. But he ain't coming after you. Because that's what the book says. Okay? So you need to understand. You need to understand some things. Now listen, stay connected. Six, while you're on hold, start giving God thanks and praise. While you're on hold, start giving God thanks and praise. It is, listen, listen to what the book says. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 and 18. Rejoice how many times? Oh, no way. You mean God expects me to rejoice all the time? Is that what it says? Oh, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give me a break. In everything, in everything, do what? Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It doesn't mean that what you're going through is the will of God for your life, but it does mean when you're going through it, you're going to read that's His will. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It is a weapon in your hand. Yes, you're going through the trials. Yes, you're going through the fire. Yes, you're going through the desert. But pick up your spiritual weapons and start giving God praise. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 15, just take that and tear that whole chapter out. 
because it will give you a story of a Philippian jailer. Paul and Silas, doing the will of God, finds themselves in prison. They were beaten. Not only were they put in prison, they were put into the inner prison, put into stocks. And about the midnight hour, they start moaning and groaning. Is that what it says? What does it say? They begin to worship. They begin to praise and pray to God and to give Him thanks. And they begin to worship God in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the desert, in the midst of putting on hold. And God sent an earthquake into that place. I mean, jail cells come open, chains fell off, their feet came out of the stocks. Now, my question for all of us today is, why did the Holy Spirit put that in that Bible? If it wasn't important, he wasted a lot of time. It was to give us an illustration that when we're going through some issues and going through the desert and being put on hold, then we need to use the spiritual weapons that God gave us to get through this thing. And the earthquakes will come. The chains will fall off. The prison doors will be open. God will come on the scene. You're not going to stay where you're at forever. But while you're there, praise your way out of trouble. Ha, <laughs> ha. <laughs> Seven, while you're on hold, remember God is in charge and you're not. <laughs> now that really chaps some of our hide, doesn't it? You know why it chaps us? Because we're controllers. How, I'm a, are you, how many controllers do we have here? I like to be in control. <laughs> I'm a control freak. I like things, I mean, I like my ducks in a row. You know what I mean? And I hate it when God messes up my ducks. Boy, that's not good. Now, some of you didn't raise your hands, but I know you're controllers. But while you're on hold, <laughs> some names just flitter across my mind. I confess, man, I'm a controller. I like, to have to, I like to have things happen the right way. You know what I mean? I, I need to know where I'm going with that truck in the morning. Before, you know what I'm saying? I've got to have my schedule out, you know? Uh, you know, it chaps us because when we're going through it, we come back to the fact that he's God and we're not. <laughs> oh, God. God is working things out for our good. Unseen, unnoticed, behind the scenes, through the circumstances. He is with us, working these issues out. We're not in control, but God is. And God is, and if you'll wait on God, and if I'll wait on God, God is going to rearrange all those circumstances that when we come out of this thing, we're going to be better off than when we went in. This is the time to renew your faith in God's faithfulness. He is quiet and steady, providential care being worked out in our life. Get this in your heart. Every major Bible figure was forced to wait over long periods of time before God brought them to the place of success. You cannot read in this book anywhere 
where, where there was a major player that was involved in the process and the program of God that did not have extensive time of waiting on God. Why? Let me call the roll call. Abraham waited for 25 years for the, for the promised son. 25 years of getting up and wondering why, you know, I've got a promise from God, but I don't see it. He got to the place where not only he didn't see it, he got so old he thought he couldn't have kids anymore. Sarah was so old and barren, by, in the natural it didn't look like that God could ever bring the promise to pass. And sometimes in your situation, you look at it and you think, I don't understand, and I don't see how God can ever bring this to pass. Listen, with God all things are possible. 25 years. Joseph waited 13 years. For the dream that God had given. 13 years. And we get upset if we have to wait a week. Oh, we start squirming. We start squalling. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Through prison, through being falsely accused, Joseph kept his faith, kept his eyes and his dreams alive. Moses, 40 years in the desert, before he was sent back by God out of the desert to lead the children of Israel. David, 14 years he waited to become king of Israel, even after God had anointed him, after the prophet had anointed him king. He waited 14 long years for, that, for the promise to come to pass in his life. Every major player in this book was put on hold, and you and I are no exception. So listen, you have to understand something. God is working things out for our good. If you're waiting this morning for God to move in some issues of your life, whatever they are, you are on productive soil. And God will elevate you if you are willing to be exercised in the ministry of waiting. Waiting is not a lack of faith. Waiting is the DNA of faith. Knowing how to wait on God. The last one, get this one. Remember what you have learned. If you're going through a tough place right now, you're going to learn some lessons. That it's intended to teach you some lessons. While you're waiting, God is not, is not just waiting, but you're learning something. You're learning that God's going to take care of you. You're learning that the situation that you're facing, is, is, is you're going to come through this on the other side. Because he's done it for you in the past, he'll do it for you again. Remember what you have learned. Get this in your heart. The word desert comes from a root word which means speech. With all of its organs. It means to teach. The desert is meant to be a schoolroom where we learn about ourselves and we learn about God. You know the first place Jesus was led by the Spirit after he was baptized? <laughs> he led into the desert. Why? Because in the desert is where you learn the voice of God. You learn to be obedient to God. It's a lot easier to be obedient when everything's going good sometimes than it is to stay obedient when things are going bad. Okay, remember what you have learned in the test 
that you went through. Why? It'll be your source of strength when you face your next desert. What are you talking about? Hey, there's hills and valleys in this life that we're living. And sometimes just on the other side of the hill is another valley that you're going to go through. But what you have learned in the last one will sustain you when you face the next one. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bow before you. Our confession is this morning, God, you're a good God. You're a good God. There's no doubt that people all over this building are going through some some tough times, uncertain times. And uh, they have questions. I think that's normal, God, to have questions. But even though we have questions, we're not disturbed, nor are we unsettled, nor is our faith shaken, because we know that you're with us. I'm going through a test. You're going through tests. There's no time to be discouraged. There's no time to allow the enemy to rob you of your joy. If it wasn't this, it'd be something else. Amen? The process. He's God, and I'm not. And my confession is I trust him. I trust him. Do you trust him? The same God that led you into the valley is able to lead you out. Don't let your mind and your spirit be troubled. You believe in God? Isn't that what he told told the disciples? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe God, believe also in me. Listen, God has it under control. He's God, I'm not. And that's okay. That's okay. You're going you're gonna to win. You're going to win. The reason you're going to win is because God is on your side. And you're being exercised in this thing called waiting. Last week, many people stood in the audience and acknowledged the fact that they're going through battles. They're going through some tough times. Today, I've told you some things to do while you're going through them. You hang them. You, you write them down somewhere. And when you need a word, you can call back on it. Your memory will go back. And it will sustain you until you see the victory at the end of this thing. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Amen? There is light at the end of the tunnel. You hang on. I think Rhonda is going to come. We're, are we going to? Do this. Come on real quickly. We're going to do this thing. We're going to, we're going to do a drawing and give this beautiful painting away. Then we're going to pray over everybody's life today before we leave. Don't anybody leave. We're going to pray after we give this away, okay?
to say thank you one more time to all of you who um, who helped out with giving to um, to Tina's um, vision of helping with um, sending kids to camp. So we're going to um, she brought in four hundred and fifty-one dollars. Awesome! So that's awesome! Awesome! So I I believe that's a little over four kids, right? Four and a half, about four and a half kids. So thankful for that half a kid. Where's Gary at? All right. Tina, you do the drawing and I'll say the name. Bring your knife up here and we'll wheel her ear. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Okay. Guys aren't going to believe this. Yeah, drum roll, teenagers. Got it? You got it? Okay. The winner of the very first painting awesome. that is going to be worth lots and lots of money one day when Tina dies I mean, and has her, her name on off. it. It has her name on it. It's none other than our own Linda Ross. Oh! All right. All of you. Her a hard time this morning because if you ever go into her home, there's nothing on her walls. That's the truth. And I said, if you win this painting, you're not going to put it on your wall. She said, well, maybe I'll stick it in the bathroom. So. <laughs> Stand with me this morning all across the building. Now listen, you're standing among friends and people. Possibly you do not know that they might be going through some tough times. So as we close in prayer today, I want you to pray for that one that you are standing next to. That God would strengthen them today. If they're discouraged, I just want you to pray and give them an encouraging word. Is God still in charge? God's still in charge. Listen, join hands with the neighbor. I want you to pray for them. 